0: Our state-by-state look at coronavirus trends is more encouraging this Sunday. Welcome to the alt-normal. An exploration of the diverse voices on planet Earth. The wildfires that have devastated parts of Australia. Doing the critical work of rebuilding a healthier, more sustainable alternative future at the intersection of self, community, and planet. We live in uncertain times, a powerful moment of revolution. How we choose to steer the path will determine what kind of Alt-Normal we consciously remake together. Everyone has a part to play. Let's, Let's, rise. Rise. Let's rise. Shift and support this exciting new reality in the making.
1: The
0: Alt-Normal.
1: Autos reach the transport site. Trying to lock on.
0: Five, four, three, Hey, welcome to the alt normal. This is episode nine, and I am Tiffany Wen, the host of the show. For those of you who are new, uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. And for those of you who continue to come back, thanks so much for doing that. Any and all support, subscribes, reviews, and shares are super welcome as we want to really spread this show far and wide, and really get these stories into the world. So before we introduce our guest today, a a quick word about what this show is about and why we're here. So The Alt Normal is a show that centers diversity as really a critical force for rebuilding this post-pandemic world that we're in right now. And it really began with this question, how can we reframe this new normal that we've been handed to as crisis and actually create an alt normal or an alternative reality that um, allows us to really own and claim our diversity and our unique gift as we remake a more resilient and healthier culture? So in this grave crisis of systems collapse, racial injustice, global economic disaster, does lie this opportunity for this massive paradigm shift in how we really relate to ourselves and our community and the planet. And one thing's for sure, we are all literally in this together. And I like to say that we kind of took this red pill together and there's really no going back in a good way, in a positive way. And, you know, any kind of change that was at the precipice, I really believe is, you know, charging full steam ahead. And this is a really exciting opportunity to, and time to be alive. So big thank you to Zest for hosting this conversation today. Zest is a plant-based restaurant here in Ubud, Bali. And they have this mission powered by plants made for people. So they love to bring conversations, community, and of course, creative vegan food together in this beautiful tropical oasis of nature that you can't see right now, but it's very green and very bright and colorful. And I'm actually buzzing from their cacao right now. It's so good. So when you come to Ubu, definitely check out Zest. And yeah, without further ado, I would love to introduce our guest today, Melanie Medeggs. Hi. Welcome, Melanie. So Melanie is a psychosomatic therapist and teacher of chakra philosophy for business and the modern world. She uses the psychosomatic tool of face reading to teach others how to step more into their zone of genius, know what's holding them back, and to deepen their awareness around their chakra system and inner balance of masculine and feminine energies. While living in Bali for the last six years, she created the Business Chakra System and has run workshops around the world from places such as Gandhi's house in Johannesburg, South Africa, Lululemon in Singapore, and most recently, right before COVID, in Fiji with Elizabeth Gilbert at a Women's Empowerment Retreat so fun. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. And, you know, we don't often hear the words chakra and business in the same sentence. So I'm really, really excited to dive into this whole world that you've created and been able to share with so many people around the world. And to start, Melanie, um, I'd love to kind of explore a little bit about your past in Australia. So before you embarked on your entrepreneurial journey, um, you were in Australia working for the government and on a change management project. So you were definitely in a more corporate setting, or not corporate, but a a bigger institution.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's definitely corporate. And by the way, thank you for having me. This is amazing. I love everything that this podcast is all about. Um, Your intro was, yeah, I think it's really time to have these really awesome conversations. Um yeah, so prior to you know leaving corporate, I was I the last position I was in was in a government organization. Um I had been working with them for three years at that point in time. Um and prior to that I had worked in other corporates that were more uh, privately run in a number of different industries as well, but it always uh surrounded working with people, uh communication and um you know, trying to make the world a better place, basically. But I always felt very confined in that corporate space. Uh, you know, I used to always look out the window and I'd be like, is this it? Like, is this it? <laughs> really? And I would, you know, I saw a pattern emerging of every three years I would leave the, the workplace I was in. I would always have different positions and then I would get bored and I'd just be like, I need to go travel. I need to go do something. I'd go travelling, come back, get another corporate job, do the whole thing again and then leave again. And, you know, there was this whole thing that played out. And finally, um, you know, I got a little bit, you know, because I had just worked in that government um, organisation, it was very different from private. It was uh, the first time I really saw what it was like to be surrounded by people that had worked in the same workplace for, say, 20 years Things were always done a certain way. It was very difficult to bring change and innovation into some areas of that organization as well, and I found it totally frustrating. And I, it was almost like it was the the job to push me to the edge to finally go. You know what? I'm just going to go and try it on my own.
0: And I I love that. Well, maybe I don't love it, but just that image of right leadership that's you know sticks around for twenty plus years. You know. I just did you see, you know, in these positions like a pattern of what was the the biggest problem you saw in that space? Because obviously you've embarked on a completely different journey, you know, and and it's just after a while when you're constantly moving around, but you're sensing the same patterns, you know, how would you articulate what that was?
1: You know, to get something happening, the the amount of work that goes through an approval process or, you know, uh, it always was... Um, And I guess this is a lot for any business, you know, the economic money factor comes into play as well, which doesn't always make sense to what actually needs to happen. You know, working for that government organisation, you know, first and foremost, they were there to look after the people. But there was so much happening in the, the back end of that that I was like, this how is it's almost like counterproductive of what they wanted to achieve and then what was actually going on behind the scenes, you know. And I'm sure... That happens in plenty of government organisations and in plenty of uh, companies even. And so, you know, I think for me, I just found it very frustrating. It wasn't, I'm a freedom seeker. I actually was thinking this morning, I remember having a conversation in my 20s and telling this manager of all the things I'd done, he's like, you're a bit of a free spirit. And I was like, I've always been a free spirit, like, so to be confined in and restricted to what rules and regulations you could do, and you know, it's it's never jailed well with me. It's really yeah, cool to reflect back on that time though,
0: because you know, segueing into chakra philosophy for the modern business world, you are bridging these two very different worlds and creating something new. And you know, you created this methodology to help entrepreneurs and business people read their mind-body composition. I think mind-body, that, that word, is starting to really pick up steam in mainstream culture and helping them find their zone of genius, which I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um I remember watching a TED Talk back in the day where a woman uses that phrase to talk about people's purpose and how to activate it. Mm -hmm. So I would love to unpack all of your amazing disciplines because there's so many in there. So you studied with this man, Herman Mueller, the founder of the Psychosomatic Therapy College in Australia. Mm -hmm. And during this time, I'm sure you learned a ton, but can you just maybe share your biggest or a few really big aha revelation moments that you had about how the mind
1: and the body are connected and what this world is even about. Yeah. So probably where to start is how I got into psychosomatics. I was living in Brisbane, Australia at the time. And I had and it was just after the global financial crisis, actually, that year 2008 was when I moved to Brisbane, I had been in Sydney prior to that. And I just felt like my life was crumbling and I was the common denominator of all of it, you know, like so many things that happened in my life. And then I was like, actually, I, I'm i understanding that I am the creator of what's going on around me. So I need to start looking deeper within myself to figure this out. Um, and that took me on a journey of starting to study naturopathy. I became a massage therapist. I explored things like kinesiology like I was really inquisitive to all of these other um, alternative holistic modalities if you want to call them alternative I think they're actually I mean they've been around for eons of years I think they're actually the central center of a lot of healing you know but I ended up in Brisbane and that's why I ended up in this government organization because I couldn't find a job I actually started in that organization as dropping A mail out at letterboxes one weekend. That was the only job I could get, and I'd been so employable before that. And then all of a sudden, it was just like everything stopped. And so, in some ways, you know, we're going through this other huge transition in in more ways than one right now, which causes you to look at life a little bit differently and reassess what's kind of going on. At that point in time as well, I had really high anxiety levels. My self esteem was at an all time low. I didn't realize when I was in that moment Uh, but now looking back I can really see how low that was I would get panic and anxiety attacks which again at the time I didn't even associate that was what was going on because I always feel like I'm a pretty okay person but you know one time I even got a nosebleed because I was so anxious about something that was happening and so I was really it was like my whole nervous system was really shot and I just wanted to try and figure out how to create a more harmonious life for myself. And I started, I actually went to a friend's engagement party and then she introduced me to this healer, Ken, who was a psychosomatic therapist. And I started seeing him and, you know, psychosomatics is psyche is the mind and soma is the body. So it is, it's the mind body connection and uh, Ken specialized in body work. So You know, you'd go for a massage, but it was completely different to any other type of massage I'd experienced before. And there was this emotional element to it. So we would chat and talk about what was going on, then I'd jump on the table, you'd do this crazy massage, and I'd have emotional releases and and all sorts of things would happen. And my every time something in my world would shift, like you know, I wouldn't respond to something a certain way, or something new would come into my life, you know. And with anything, it's always this unraveling of the onion so you know when I look back at that time like that was 12 years ago it was really like pulling the brown skin off the onion (laughs) at that time whereas now I'm right more into the core it's like it it had to start somewhere and uh I'd been seeing him for a little while and then eventually he said to me he goes I'm you know I'm doing this training I think you might be interested it's a psychosomatic training and I said yeah yeah okay I'll, I'll come and it went for ten days. It was fully intense. Like you are just reading your body every single day, like going deeper and deeper into it. And at the end of it, and that's why. And I remember the first day we looked at the chakra system, and it was just like my whole being lit up. And I was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. I was just like, just it was. I was this sponge, writing everything down, and just getting so excited about. It. I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And then when the face reading part came up, I was just like, this is phenomenal. Like, you know, and at the end of that 10 days, I remember all of us sitting around a circle going around and saying how, how you felt the 10 days had been and what was next. And everyone was sort of saying their thing. And I was like the only person in the group. I was like, I need to tell the world about this. Like, this is crazy. Like everyone needs to know about their body and they need to understand how to listen to it and feel into it and, get what it's saying and that I mean that was such a life-changing point for me and that is actually when everything changed initially that training led to I needed to do it for myself you know for the next couple times and then once I sort of had got myself to a grounded place in terms of where I was at then I was like all right now I need to and I did the training probably about I don't know eight times over the next couple of years uh to really hone my skills and to understand it to then be able to like share it like I am today and to be honest I started out as a therapist in but it's funny how you'll be taken on a path and then sometimes it takes you off from where you actually really want to go as I said I've always been a free spirit I actually at that point in time too I had read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss I knew that I wanted to keep traveling, like there were all these things that I had sort of shut down thinking, all right, I'm in my 30s, I better get a job and get married and have kids and have a house and all the rest of it. But those people inspired me. So after I left corporate, I ended up, you know, having my own therapy practice in a little room by the ocean where I was sitting inside all day listening to people and, you know, what they were going through, which was fine, but I was like, this is not what I signed up for you know I don't need to be another Ken doing this massage you know that was his zone of genius and I was like this is not how I want to do it so I had to really go through a process of how do I use this psychosomatic information that I have to create not only um, a space for people to learn more about themselves but how does it light me up just as much as it's helping them you know and then that's how I've ended up here in Bali doing what I do now beautiful so Let's dial into the word chakra.
0: Sure. (laughs) Um, And, you know, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with it or you've heard of it, but maybe it like triggers you in some way because it's like this ancient Sanskrit word. And um, I would love to hear how you relate to the chakra system. And just before you dive into that, you know, we spoke um, yesterday about, you know, Joe Dispenza's work and he Mm -hmm. You know, really uses a scientific lens to talk about the chakra systems, and he doesn't even use the word chakras. And I remember hearing him say, I don't use that word by design because I know it can trigger some people who are already a little bit resistant to trying to even wrap their minds around the unseen, invisible realms of energy, even though we know it's happening, it's around us, it's within us. And I, I think it's really beautiful that you really own and share that word because it's it's as old and as ancient as you know the yogic and tantric traditions um, and you're activating it in this new way. So I would just love to hear how do you relate to
1: the chakras? What are they to you? Yeah. So I've always loved like even as a child, I used to always want to I, w- I wanted to know the meaning and the connection to energy and things. And we were also talking about yesterday about the use of the word and did I go through a process of trying to figure out how to actually communicate about it. Mm -hmm. And that has been a big process because, and I, I even did a post on Facebook about it yesterday, it's like there were times where people would, like my friends would see what I'm doing and, uh, you know, going into this sort of chakra energies and talking about these things and they'd kind of look at me and their eyes would glaze over and I'd be like, what the hell is she talking about? And, you know, and I'd be labelled a bit of a hippie, the hippie of the family or, oh, yeah, that's Mel. There she goes again on her little tangent about these energies. And to me, um, even with the chakras, and I say this as well, like I can't, see auras in fact even before i uh started studied psychosomatics i really struggled to understand how to even connect with that energy like i would sit there and i would do these meditations and i would you know read about them and listen about how they're a they're a wheel and they spin and you know be visualizing all these things but i found it really frustrating that i couldn't tangibly hold on to it i couldn't see it you know I'm like am i really am i doing this like Mm -hmm. you know And so the psychosomatics puts to me is like the physical reflection of what our chakra energies are doing. So as I said, like every part of your body relates to a chakra energy. So the other thing is as well with chakras is that I mean, there is so much. I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit, so feel free to, like, ask me. No, it's beautiful. But, yeah. I love it. It's all related. Yeah, I mean, because it is such a – it's a huge topic and it's talked about in so many different ways. And for me, along with the body, is like each chakra energy, it has, like – it starts from our spine. Like, it starts on our spine. And I like to talk about it in very layman terms so people can get their head around it, you know. Um, and the the point that it starts at in our spine to me is like where our destiny, for lack of a better word, is. And then it comes out like a cone. So from the body it comes out like a cone. And in that cone piece are all of our emotions and our belief systems. And then at the end of that cone is like a filter. And so when we walk in, in into our room, so when we walked into the room together, it's like our chakras meet and those those filters bounce off each other and they either attract to each other or they kind of bounce off each other it's like why you can walk into the room and get a feeling about someone before you even talk to them you know Mm -hmm. and it's because the emotions and the belief systems in that in that cone Mm -hmm. are either attracting to each other or discording from each other you know, so there's, it's like, that's why we get these feelings, these intuitive feelings, you know, because that energy is actually coming out from our body in a much bigger space than just, in our physical. Wow, beautiful. I never heard anyone
0: visualize it that way. But it makes so much sense. Yeah,
1: like that's like, when I learn about energies, I need to put it. And that's why I say I teach chakra philosophy for the modern world, I need to put it in a way that's how, how is this working in my daily life? Like, We can all go to a, you know, a yoga retreat or a monastery or somewhere to learn about our energies and sit on a mountain and meditate and feel wonderful, but how do we actually use this when we come back into the real world and we're in our job or, you know, travelling or whatever it is that we're doing? And then that then allowed me to understand when I change my belief system, when I change the way that I react emotionally to something that filter is actually going to change. And so that's why some people will drop away and why new people will come into my sphere. And, you know, as we all grow and as we all become more successful in whatever we do, there is this continuous sort of motion of releasing and attracting something new, releasing and attracting something new. And even in that itself, it's something to get used to that that's just the way the world kind of works, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, The more we try and hang on to the old, even though we love them, and we want to be with them. If they're not serving us, all we're doing is actually keeping ourselves back from being able to take the next step and, and to go somewhere further. And it doesn't even mean necessarily that we're leaving that person behind because if they if they feel, you know, they, they've got their own things going on that they can actually come with you or, you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. right.
0: Energy is constantly shifting, expanding, contracting, and it can actually, right, be measured to be, you know, several feet off of your body, even though you can't see it, it still interacts with yes. other tangential energies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the, the word chakra in mind, you know, you brought chakras and, and business together. And mm-hmm. you just said you like to help um, really land the language for, for the modern day person to understand in their daily lives, which I think is so practical and so needed today. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can kind of go into the exploration of why you wanted to bring these two worlds together and you have this chakra business system. And I would love you to share what that is. Yeah. So exciting and interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I actually created it kind of accidentally actually. I had been in Bali for about a year. I came here with the intention of creating an online business without a lot of structure you know it was like I can do psychosomatics I can face read I can do marketing I can you know it was all just sort of swimming around you know I came up against those frustrations where it's not working this isn't working you know I had my coach at the time and all of these sorts of things and I remember having a meltdown (laughs) you know I was in uh Latundo which is just outside of Uwood. that's where I was living in this very cute little homestay And I still remember that day (laughs) and I was sitting out the front and I was just crying and I was like, what am I going to do? I need to make money. I need to support myself. And I asked myself the question, I was like, what do I know really well? And I was like, I know the chakra system really well. And I was like, I know what that means for me as a person. I wonder if my business has a chakra system. You know, I just sort of put the, the question out there. And I was like, what would those chakras relate to in business? And I remember thinking, okay, base chakra, foundations, of course, like, you know, it's got to do with goals and it's got to do with cash flow and it's got to do with, you know, organisation, those real foundational pieces. And then I ran inside and I remember I got this big piece of paper and I was drawing all the, the chakras and I was like, okay, sequel chakra, it's all about expression and creativity and joy. And I was like, that's got to do with your branding, like, if you're not in in tune with your branding, then you know you're not going to have that joy and that um, enjoyment of even connecting with other people. And then I was like solar plexus, personal identity. Okay, that's what it is for me in business. Product, like it's got to be your product. If you don't have a product, you don't have business. Like you know, if you don't have my identity, I don't. I'm not a person. You know. And then I then from that was heart chakra, and to me, heart chakra is you know compassion, expression, connection. And I was like, that's about promotion because if you're not promoting yourself from the heart, that's where we come up against the, you know, when we're trying to do the hustle and the hard sell, like it never works. Whereas when you just like, yeah, I can help you. This is how I can help you. Here's how we can connect. Like, you know, that's how you can really ignite that heart chakra. Um, throat chakra obviously is communication. So knowing who you're speaking to, who the audience is, what is it that you actually want to say? You know, luckily in my corporate world, all of those jobs were about communication, which has helped me so much as an entrepreneur, and I see so many people starting their businesses who haven't had that level of training and communicating is the thing that really holds them back. So, you know, I was like that's really all about how we communicate. And then the brow chakra, which is traditionally about intuition, to me this is leadership because uh, we can learn all of these business strategies till the cows come home, you know, intuitively we are going to know what's going to serve us and what's right and wrong no one else outside of us has that magic pill that's going to make your business thrive or it can it may do for a while but i believe at some point it becomes unsustainable because it's not actually in alignment with what you want to create which is why you've gone through all of the other chakras below that and then finally your crown chakra is the bigger vision i mean this is our purpose it's our connection to source the universe whatever you want to call it of why we're even on this planet and We'll go through times in business where we're on to a good thing and we keep going, but it's like if we just keep, and then all of a sudden, it kind of we come to a block or we come to a crossroad or something. And that's how we can use the chakra system, use our emotions, use our body, it even play it manifest in our body what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Lower back pain. That's a true indicator that your base chakra is out, right? <laughs> and I know this because I've tested it a thousand times. But you know, whenever there's like, uh financial worries or something like that my back soon it, it just starts to hurt straight away so when you know how to listen to your body and how what chakra energies that relates to it just makes everything it doesn't make everything better but when you can connect everything it just makes you feel like you're on the right track it gives you something to get out of the emotional overwhelm of what's going on and to go oh okay this is what i need to look at next mm. you know Wow. It's, it's a
0: system. It's a
1: framework. (laughs) It's just incredible. The mind
0: body connection is just, it's there, but to bring that lens and your own lived experience into that bridge between both worlds, it's just really brilliant. And Mm -hmm. I I love it. And I want us to go back in time to South Africa when you were standing in front of a group of people in gandhi's house giving a talk about this methodology mm. your your chakra business system when you were standing there how many people in that room actually even knew what that word chakra was and by the end of that conversation, I imagine you probably interacted with some people afterwards mm-hmm. and and heard their thoughts or their questions or their you know breakthroughs or whatever it is that they really felt impacted by. What was it like? Yeah, who who in the room really actually knew what a chakra was? And by the
1: end, what did you sense from these people that had just heard you introduce this concept yeah. to them? I've got to say that moment was so pivotal for me because I'd been hiding with it for quite a while. And uh, my good friend who invited me over there was like, come on, let's do this. And I said, please don't tell me who's in the room because I'm going to just have a nervous breakdown if I know who these types of people are. But they were, you know, multi-million dollar entrepreneurs. They were influencers in business in Johannesburg, um, you know, really high level business people, um, even in um, pharmaceutical and healthcare and all all these sorts of things. So I knew they weren't necessarily uh, spiritually inclined to describe it like that because before that I had worked with yoga teachers and healers. I already knew that they were talking my language. So when we were going through this, it was awesome because I could see them having the aha moments and I could see them actually going, oh, Like, what's going on here? I had one woman in particular who um, her parents were actually quite spiritual. She had an Indian uh, Hindu background, I think, uh, for memory. And she was really resistant. And I don't think she understood what she was kind of coming into when she actually came into the, the workshop perhaps because she said it for the first time she was starting to look at it again. Whereas because of, you know, and I'm, I'm sure this has happened to a lot of people and they've had spiritually inclined parents, you know, they can be like, oh, I don't want to know about it, like take me the other way. Whereas it was like, oh, it was sort of open that door, a safe space to start exploring that again. And then for those people that hadn't uh, explored that, that side, it was like, wow, I didn't realise you know, my body uh, part is, you know, my nose has so much to do with my personal identity and my leadership style and, you know, how I can bring my product into the world. You know, there's, it was just like a lot of people I could see they were just starting to tick and to think of things a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that after that, because we did some more workshops afterwards, um, even when I came back from Bali online, and they still talk about it today because it was just just put such a new spin on things and it was a real humane way of doing business rather than the economics being the number one part of business. And I feel like that's actually what a lot of people are really looking for at the moment. I've run many meetups from Outposts uh, over the years here in Ubud and, you know, so many people leave corporate and come to a place like Bali because they just need to have a breathing space and just work out what am I doing? Like, what what does this mean? And it's not that they don't want to be in business anymore. They just need some humanity in business, right? You know, they're tired of these red tape ways of doing business and, you know, the the black and whiteness of it when it doesn't really need to be like that. It's, it's more about how do we bring humanity into the workplace and how, Do we bring humanity back to ourselves first and foremost to be able to do that? Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) I I
0: love that. You know, putting spin and just kind of like creating that constellation that's already inside of us, but lighting it up and being like, yeah, Yeah. you know, your face, this point is connected to this part in the body, which is connected to this emotion, which can then translate into your business. It's a whole system and it makes so much sense. Yeah and um you know you mentioned that you've worked with everyone from yoga teachers and healers to you know entrepreneurs and people in corporate and you mentioned Engaging with Lululemon in Singapore, yeah. and you know we all probably are familiar with Lululemon. They're you know a leading brand in yoga apparel and just the yoga space, and they do experiences and and really touch um, yeah the global yoga community. And I'd love to kind of unpack and explore what it was like to engage with them yeah. you know what what did you find when you arrived that they needed most with this business chakra system yeah. and then after engaging with them what do you feel like changed or what do you think the impact was or the the aha or
1: the insights that they really awakened to yeah Yeah, it was such a great opportunity and it was actually on the back of they were having an internal um, movement happening. So one store was closing down and they were opening another one and so teams were kind of merging together. So um, it was basically a change management exercise that they were going through at that point in time. So I basically was asked to come in there to do a face reading and chakra philosophy for business workshop to help them with this transition that had happened. And so we focused a lot on the base chakra energy at that time. But, of course, you know, I've been through change management in corporate as well. It can be very dry, you know, what they are sharing about and, you know, how to to manage all these things. But, you know, the one thing that stood out immensely was the face-reading element that I brought into it. So we we did some face-reading together and, you know, our chins – relate to our base chakra energy and how we feel supported in life. So whether it's um, more square, the more square it is, the more solid it's going to feel, the more pointy it is, the more sensitive we are. So the, the easy exercise of going around and looking at everybody's chins to see, you know, how their personal makeup of their base chakra is and how they can relate to each other really just brought a new kind of element of understanding how to transition through change, you know. And how some people may need more support or need to communicate in a different way to other people as well. I found a lot of them didn't actually know that much about the chakra energies as well. So, you know, usually people know about one or two, but they don't know about all of the chakra energies. And just putting, again, the perspective of each energy has a certain type of um, emotions, both negative and positive, that are related to it. And also how we relate to our community in those different uh, chakra energies. So the base chakra is very much about community. So that you know, it made complete sense from a team uh, development point of view that we work on that. But then you know, even exploring just briefly, like the sacral chakra is all about the branding. But that is really about your customer. Uh, connection your customer relationships as well which they're really great at like you know learning how to really connect with the customers that come through the door but then also how to really connect one-on-one to their team members as well so the base chakra can be all about our team as a whole but then we're still going to build our relationships one-on-one with those people in the team too Mm -hmm. so they loved it like and you know you could see it because it was just it was still talking about the whole elements of change but putting something else that they can look at to at it to relate it to themselves so they're learning something about themselves as much as what they're learning about what's sort of going on around them too. I think that's just such
0: a perfect client to have because Lululemon is all about activating yoga in the modern world and you know we all can do asanas on the mat and go into a class and know what to expect. But then, what happens when you take yoga off the mat? Right, yes. that's where the, the real yoga begins. Yes. And you know, chakras um, are in the same family as yoga, and, and to really understand how to maintain that spirit and that vitality yeah. um, within our energies that we can do on the mat, then also in our. Of organizations, it's so perfect
1: that you get and to work think, with the Lululemon. Yeah, and I think as well, like yoga, the yoga industry is interesting, you know, um, because it's kind of turned very, it turned very fitness orientated. And there's so so much to yoga. Like there is the fitness side of it, but you know, ask any like mastered yogi, it's actually more than just the physical, right? And so, and particularly in a place like Singapore like I love going to Singapore and visiting that place, but so many people that live there, they're always like, oh, my God, everyone is just so disconnected, don't know how to relate to people. It's so nice to see you. I had this one woman at a hotel and she would remember me. I'd stay for like two days every six months and she's like, you're back. I can see you smiling. And I was like, are you for real? <laughs> you know, these cultures where, and I think it's more Western, it's not necessarily country specific, where that element of connection is totally shut down. So, yes, when you go to the yoga class, when you go and do, you know, some kind of spiritual workshop, you feel connected, but how do you bring it into everyday life, you know? That's really what needs to happen. Wow. Wow. Well, that was no accident. You and yes. Lululemon
0: coming together, and let's see what continues to unfold. Yes. So shifting gears now into the face split analysis. Yes. So uh, we talked a little bit yesterday about how you've been going through your own rebirth, and this face split analysis has been kind of like your new baby, your new creation, and you've given over 600 face readings, and you mentioned that a face reading can really cut through to what your zone of genius is and as well as what may be holding you back from living out your dreams and your purpose. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to, we're going to go into these photos that you also brought to actually show what these face split analyses actually look like. But just, just to start, can you explain to us um, where this modality comes from? It's, it's psychosomatic
1: or how, how did it come into being? Yeah. So the face split analysis is part of psychosomatic therapy. So in psychosomatic therapy, uh, the training that I've had, you learn <clears throat> all about your body and how that relates to your emotions, your belief systems, the chakra system. Your face is actually a summary of all of your body, which is why the face reading is so powerful. So instead of me having to get you to stand up and look at your, your legs and your knees and your ankles and all of these. I can just look at your face and get the same information. So it's just like your whole chakra system is actually in your face, yeah? And that's where you get the personality traits, the behavior patterns, because each feature of your face relates to a different chakra energy. With the face split analysis, it takes it a little bit off that into the masculine and feminine energy sphere. So the whole left-hand side of your body being about feminine energy, your whole right-hand side of the body being about masculine and through your face and this was the catalyst for my changing my life basically Mm -hmm. you take a photo of your face then on that photo you split it down the middle you take the left hand side and you mirror that to make a whole left hand side face and then you take the right and you mirror that to make a whole right hand side of your face and you will get the reflection of what your masculine and feminine energy is, is doing and as I said, it was a catalyst because when I first looked at mine back in 2012, my masculine energy looked like a little boy full of vitality. He was just like, come on, let's go. And my feminine energy reminded me of my grandmother, old, tired, no airtime, and none of those feminine um, attributes of creativity, emotional intelligence, flexibility, being able to receive, looking after my own humanity it was all just put to the side while that masculine was taking over. And that's so common in the Western world because it's like I've got to keep myself safe, I just have to keep it together, so I'm going to, you know, bring all this masculine energy together to be able to do that, but ultimately it's unsustainable. At some point that's where we get nervous breakdowns, burnout, all of these things, sickness, because we're not actually Understanding what our feminine masculine energy is in the first place, and then how to really create a union within ourselves between those two energies. And so that's what the face split analysis report reflects back to my clients. Like, this is where you're at right now. Doesn't mean like you're there, doesn't mean that you're there forever, but this is what you're working with. And because it's visual, it's such a powerful impact. You know, like I could look at the photos and just write it and the person would read it and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But to show them how that's playing out physically, it's totally powerful. And, you know, before we started having this
0: conversation, you showed me that actual strip where it's like three different panels and the left photo was your masculine um, face and the one over on the right was your feminine face and right, the little boy was on the left and your grandma was on the right. And you mentioned like the goal is to get all three faces to be pretty similar to show that they're balanced. Yes. And so when you do an initial reading and it's clear that one energy is more dominant than the other, how can you like visually see see that? Is that more of a gut reaction or do you kind of go feature by feature from like the chin up to the forehead and really like analyze, okay, this is where this is dominant. This is
1: where this is less dominant yeah there's a couple of things um first of all it's usually which one's taking up more space Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time one face will look a lot smaller than the other one um also looking for vitality like when I write and actually write it in a report I say if these were two people a couple and they walked into a room you know you can feel the energy between a couple, you know, uh, and so you can sort of feel like are they having a, a good time together or they're not having such a good time together. So it's really like, where are they at? You know, how is their communication? Are they are they working as a team? Sometimes, um, you know, one of those energies can be more dominant than the other, but I can see that they are actually working as a team. There's just sort of some some things that need to be worked out. Other times, it's like they are they're not even relating. You know, it's like there is no inner conversation happening between the two. And so that's why in the report as well, like I just give some activities for people to do to start not reuniting them. And they can be very simple. Like I remember the first thing I used to do because my teacher told me this, um, Ken, he was just like, whenever you hear a love song, instead of it being about, you know, that guy or girl that you you know love or missing or whatever or wanting, Use it as a storyline between your inner masculine and feminine energies, and I started doing that. So every time I heard a love song, instead of like thinking about ex lovers or my current lover or whatever, I would be like, "Oh yeah, like let's get together again. Like let's <laughs> let's ignite. Like you know, it's, it's it can be that it can be really simple of how to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's all about intention and just understanding what both of those energies bring to the table because. Ultimately, one can't live without the other. It's, it's impossible to live sustainably with only one energy being at full force the whole time. Wow, that's so cool. A love song between your inner
0: masculine and inner feminine. Never
1: would have even thought that. You'll never listen to a love song the same way again. Wow. I mean, I've, no, probably
0: not. And I, you know, I've heard of that ritual that some people do who are single and they're like, I want to marry myself or I want to propose to myself, like bringing more self love into mm-hmm. life and there's so many beautiful ways to do that and in terms of rituals and practices that you personally do or or ones that you've um recommended to clients that had big breakthroughs what can you share like besides the love song <laughs> dancing the yeah. inner masculine and feminine like what are some accessible practices that someone can do today to really yeah build that muscle of togetherness
1: I feel like it's that's really personal because some people, say, for example, that need to learn more about their feminine energy will dive straight into, you know, learning all about the vagina and doing all this goddess work. And for other people, they're really repelled by all that. They're, just, they're not ready to deep dive. So it's really uh, it could be more that that person just wants to paint more or, you know, just uh, spend more time in their creativity for me personally, I also feel like whatever your dominance is, you're going to have to spend more time in the opposite side of that and then there'll be a time where that's enough and then you've got to come back. So, for example, you know, my masculine was really dominant so I had to spend more time in my feminine and it's taken time for me to explore all these different types of feminine uh, ways of being. And now I'm actually learning more about the divine masculine because I had to actually heal my inner masculine to know there's nothing wrong with you even though you were dominant this it doesn't mean you're it's bad but how can i really honor those masculine traits within myself as well because initially it can be like oh i just need to hang out in this feminine a lot more but to really have a union we have to both sides need to be honored you know and so for me i'm kind of learning more at the moment about how to really honor those aspects of myself
0: That's interesting to hear you say that because, you know, depending on what cultures or communities you talk to, you know, there is that universal knowing that right now we live in a patriarchal society. We have been. And, you know, it is a it is a man's world. And and in some spaces, you can feel that more than in others. And, you know, we had talked a little bit yesterday about how when you read faces of Western people, they're more um, masculine dominant versus people who are um, Eastern
1: and it's more feminine dominant. I'm sure it's not like, you know. More people that live in Western cities, so not what, not cult, not as a culture. I mean, say someone who's living in Sydney versus someone who's living in Ubud because there's plenty of Westerners in Bali. Sure. There's plenty of Eastern people living in uh, the West. It's more about the environmental uh um, situation that they're living in that impacts if they're going to be more masculine or feminine dominant right yeah right yeah so as a, a little thought experiment yeah.
0: if you were to have a situation present itself where you could go into maybe like the old businesses that you worked for or the government and <laughs> and recommend like one well not one but just like a sort of a protocol to bring more psychosomatic, more balancing of feminine, masculine. What could you suggest to people who are maybe the, the the bigger decision makers who are more dominant in one or the other? Like what could be something an organization could do that would be, yeah, more
1: of like a, a practice, like a, an organizational practice? That's a really hard question because I believe it all starts... From the inside out like as individuals like at the moment it's very clear what we're all experiencing to me the world has gone into full throttle masculine dominant energy and that is what's created this whole crisis that we're in at the moment uh because it kind of has to happen because as i was saying if you go full throttle into one energy it's not sustainable and it will break down and that's essentially what's happening right now From a logical point of view, and that's, again, masculine, well, of course, we'll bring some feminine energy into it and we'll just balance it out. It's not going to happen that way because it all has to start internally. So what I would say is I would get every CEO of every company to do a face split analysis report and see what that is for themselves. And once they start shifting and reuniting and getting that uh and balance is a subjective word because some people are like, you're never going to get balance, and I kind of agree with that. But to actually understand when I'm using my masculine energy and when I'm using my feminine energy, once they start or once anyone starts reuniting those two energies, the world around them automatically starts to shift. There's no way that if you start changing your inner world that your outer world's going to stay the same the outer world is going to start shifting. So the way you relate to people, the decisions you make, um, you know, what opportunities you take up, which ones you let go, like it's all going to start shifting. And maybe this is what the problem has been, like, you know, in culture change in organisations, they always try and do this big let's change the culture, but it's actually it's changing the culture within people that needs to change. And, and, you know, in an organisation where it is from the leadership down, it's the leaders that need to change. It's not the people.
0: Absolutely. And actually, as you were talking about that, I was just even thinking about the dichotomy between hard skills and soft skills. Oh. Right. And hard skills are very analytical, reason driven, very much the things that you want to put on that resume or your LinkedIn. And the soft skills are like, oh, you know, once I can master the hard skills, then I'll just pay attention to communication and active listening and, you know, all these other more feminine um, attributes. And it's, you know, it just makes me think about all those times where I had to look at my skills and I would feel bad that I had more soft skills than hard skills or think, am I deficient because I don't have harder skills Mm. to offer? Mm. And so it's, it's interesting to even think about that dichotomy because I think that very much aligns with, you know, the, the dichotomy of masculine versus feminine, but how they're both so mutually
1: supportive and they're both so needed in order for us to be balanced. Yeah, it is. And it, it's difficult when you get to that point, like even as an entrepreneur, for someone to say, and this used to drive me crazy before I had burnout. I did go through burnout, but before that, and people would be like, you just gotta look after yourself. And you feel like slapping the person and going, Yeah, but I also have to make money and I have to support myself. And if I don't do it, nobody else does it. So, you know, this is how it needs to be. The biggest lesson, and then I went through burnout, you know, I only teach what I know. Yeah, maybe about 18 months ago, and I was like, right. Time to do things different, to really walk my talk. I need to do things different, which means I need to start shifting up how I'm working. And I, I made myself do more of the soft skill things in my day. So many more opportunities happened. So many much, So much more growth happened in my business when I actually chose to step more into those more feminine soft skills, whatever you want to call it, activities that made everything blossom. And it was so difficult because we are so hardwired into, like, this is how business happens. This is, you know, and even now, like, um, I know I've got a big work period coming up and I really want to be like, I don't want to do any of that feminine stuff. Ah, (laughs) I just want to get this stuff done. I think it's okay for a small period of time as long as you put a time frame around it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you can't just go, okay, this is what I have to do and not have like a, an end date. So I can go into my masculine in business and use those hard skills and, you know, do all those things for, say, like a six-week period um, or even a three, you know, whatever it is, three weeks, whatever, three days. But you I have to know that then the feminine is going to be like, right, masculine, you step into the back seat and then we're going to nurture ourselves, we're going to look after ourselves, we're going to make sure that we've got all the energy that we need to keep Things sustainable and to keep going. And I feel like that's where a lot of businesses fall down, companies fall down because it's just this continual action, 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 action. Actually, that makes me think of this quote that I thought about even
0: bringing into this conversation. And um, it's from that book that I was telling you about yesterday called Emergent Strategy. And it's about how grassroots activists or like leaders of Social impact organizations think about how to balance, in a way, the feminine and the masculine. Mm -hmm. And um, there's this little quote. It's not a quote. It's more of an excerpt. Creating more possibilities is my favorite aspect of emergent strategy. This is where we shape tomorrow towards abundance. Creating more possibilities counters the very foundational assumptions about strategy. Strategy is actually a military term, but strategy is... Such a core component of business development. And it's always about, okay, what's the strategy, guys? What's the forecast? What's the five, 10, whatever year plan? Um, so the word strategy is a military term, which means a plan of action towards a goal. Um, you know, there is a practice of narrowing down, identifying one path forward, one strategy, one way, one agenda, one leader, one set of values, reducing this wild and wonderful world. Into this one thing that we can grasp, handle, hold on to, and advance. Controlling. Yes. And so it's just, right, like the two just, you know, siloed without the other can't function and thrive. Mm-hmm. And so, right, I, I liked what you said about achieving this ideal of balance is almost like it's it's too perfect and exact. And like who wants to be in this rigid state of
1: perfection? I love that. Yeah. It's a dance. Yeah, it is a dance. Right now, I actually wrote to someone before too, like this is a time of agility. Like we have to be agile. Nobody knows, there's no end date in sight at the moment. Like today, there's no end date when we know that this whole situation is going to come to an end. So what that is creating is an environment where we need to be agile. Like I, I would normally in my day have a consistent kind of routine you know, I think a lot of us do, like, have a routine in our, in our days of what that kind of looks like, and that can serve us to a certain point, but then it can also start to hinder us if we're not really listening to our body and it, if it's becoming restless, frustrated, agitated. It's like, what do I need to do? A lot of people are not able to do those things that they used to do right now. You know, they're being confined to where they're living or they can't travel around the world. I noticed just the last week so many of my friends around the world going, oh, my God, I just want to jump on a plane. I don't care where it would be. That freedom's been taken away. So how do we create that sense of freedom within what we've actually got right now, you know? And that means being agile. It means being flexible. And those are qualities of the feminine. It's like what can I create? And doing that actually opens up more doors of opportunity but you don't know what's around a corner mm-hmm. if you keep going down that controlled route it's like I know what's going to happen because that's the controlled route but if you go down the path of agility and flexibility you have no idea what's around the corner mm-hmm. and that's that's to me the silver linings of what's happening right now right yeah. and it makes me it's sort of like segueing into like
0: broader culture right now in this alt normal alt reality that we're we're living in and and maybe some are accepting more than others because it is very overwhelming and, and messy and uncertain and crumbling. There's no like end, you know, in sight, just this illusion. But it makes me think of the Albert Einstein quote where he says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results, you know, which I think we're kind of conditioned to doing because of this red tape and you know, systems and institutions that like to just stick to the same formula, even if it doesn't yield the results that we truly know in ourselves can exist mm-hmm. if we all just individually chose to look at ourselves more deeply and be honest about where we can change so that collectively that can ripple out, right? So kind of shifting into this new sort of normal normal that we're living in, in what ways do you feel, and we've been talking about this a little bit, but do you feel culture needs to shift to become more balanced? And you talked about this formula that I loved, which is humanity plus sustainability equals economy. Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so maybe, yeah, you can talk a little bit about this formula and how it could be yeah implemented in each of us individually in order for this to take a more massive yeah, effect.
1: Yeah. I think with global organisations, I really feel like they need to be dismantled. Like that's what I feel. Once you start to get too global, it becomes so much more bigger and it's difficult for the individual to be seen as an individual. You know, there's things like it becomes a number, you become – profit margin you become all of these things that's not a human being i created this little formula humanity plus sustainability equals economics to basically flip it on its head you know uh because we live in a world that's economics equals humanity and, and sustainability which is just it's that's not i mean economics hasn't been around forever in terms of physical money it hasn't like it's something we created and you know for me sustainability is our masculine energy humanity is our feminine energy so it's about finding our own humanity within ourselves and our own sustainability in ourselves so Mm -hmm. if you're heading down to the the root of burnout anxiety overwhelm all of those sorts of things you really need to come back to your feminine energy get emotionally intelligent and start listening to yourself to me, that's the only way that the whole world's going to start shifting, you know. Mm. Um, once we start looking at ourselves internally, individually, then that's how everything's going to start shifting. Mm. Um, I feel like the people, you know, those of us, you know, I started studying this in 2012. 2012 was a pivotal year where there was 12, 12, 12. There were all of these things that they started saying that the world was shifting. So for me, it is un unfamiliar this time is it's kind of expected I just had no idea how it was going to play out right but for those that have not sort of stepped more into that conscious way of being and becoming more aware even of their body and things like that I feel like life's going to become really really difficult and so the sooner people can you know explore a little bit understand their body a little bit better you know start learning about this stuff even if you don't implement it just look at it just have fun with it. Um, it's not serious stuff, but it can be things that really can change your world and actually allow you to get through times like this rather than you know sort of falling apart. So and that's humanity and sustainability. you know And when you're feeling good and when you're able to take action and you're able to be agile and you can you put structure and things in place and you know how those energies work together, you will create economics. There will be some some way just because everything's falling apart now doesn't mean that's the end of the world. It's not going to that's just not going to happen. I mean we're seeing it in Bali like it's the economic situation here is it's frightening right now. But people are coming up with these new ideas and new ways of living and new ways of helping each other and new ways of creating economics, you know? So it's always going to be there, but as long as we look at what's happening for ourselves first, that is that's really how it's going to shift.
0: Beautiful. I,
1: this is a perfect segue into the next question, which
0: is actually about being in Bali during this time. And we spoke a little bit yesterday about how Bali is the, quote, purification vortex of the world mm-hmm. um, in terms of the chakra system of the world, which is a whole other topic, which maybe we'll have you back <laughs> on the show to, to do another conversation about that. But How has being in Bali at this specific moment in time, I know you've been here for the last six years, Mm -hmm. but how has that helped you kind of build greater vision, greater activism within yourself so that you can show up more fully for the work that you're here to do Mm -hmm. for your community and You can even express that in terms of a love letter to Bali, if you'd like, or just a gratitude sort of message. And just the things that you were saying before, you know, seeing new models of collaboration and economy playing out and how that's been such a source of hope and optimism. Anything
1: you'd like to share about
0: centering Bali?
1: You know what I'm really excited about is the creative communities. When you look back in time around when wars had played out, it's like creativity and politics have kind of done this dance together and there's really good conversation, there's really beautiful expression. You know, I'm thinking of Frida Kahlo right now. Like, you know, there's that excites me and I feel like to be in Bali right now and I can see it's already happening. It's like the, the creativity is being ignited and it's just the way that uh, supports us through, through these times. So and I, even I, like I've... I've been an art, artist just like yourself and I'm getting more into that and I'm remembering oh this is what I really enjoy you know and so to me that's what I feel so much gratitude for being at Bali right now because I, I do I feel so lucky to be here it was a definite choice to actually stay here um, it never even crossed my mind to leave actually it was just like this is where I'm going to be also learning more about the community um Bali can be a little bit like Westerners and and local people, they are coming together and working together so much more closely now. So to me, that's, that's another thing to be really, truly grateful for. I love just the fact that if someone were to
0: just come down from a plane right now and step onto Bali, they would probably feel a lot of feminine
1: energy. I mean, the men I do anyway on any given day. It's I, hilarious. Like, I see them come off the plane. I can feel them like, you've just come from a city, haven't you? Like. The nervous system takes yeah. a bit of time to just adjust. <laughs>
0: and the colors and the men were sarongs. I remember seeing, mm. you know, the owner of the guest house that I was staying in three years ago with flowers, little mm. petals on the top oh. of his head. And I'm short, so I really had to make effort to look at the top of his head. Mm. And I felt so humbled by how comfortable men seemed in their their feminine Mm. expression and this creativity that you talk about is a feminine trait and it's really beautiful to see how like normal and accepted that is here because people you know it's a safe space for people to drop into that
1: Mm. yeah
0: and so I really love yeah hearing how creativity in your eyes is really weaving through um, the way that we relate to ourselves, the way that we relate to others and the planet, Trihita Karana, the philosophy here, yes. which is bringing harmony by bringing harmony within ourselves to our community and planet. And I love that philosophy. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I do
1: too. And I think there's a lot of, you know, in amongst the mayhem, there's a lot of silver linings that are coming to play. And I feel like they, they are, they'll, they'll shift the direction that we're going in. I know there's this term, the new normal, like, I mean, what was normal anyway? You've got to ask yourself that. Right. But I feel like definitely more in the right direction of what is important to us. I feel like that's what it's showing. What is really important to us? Are we really embodying that? Are we really um, enjoying that part of life every single day? Because what really matters at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I – would love
0: to conclude this conversation with um, asking you you if you can share just like a final message or even a question that folks listening can reflect on beyond this conversation, just something that you really feel like needs to be expressed from where you sit.
1: I always like to ask myself a question In any given moment, it's like, what do you really want? What do you really want? And are you okay with letting go with what no longer serves you, even though it's familiar? And I like to remind myself of that quite a lot, and particularly right now, uh, because I feel like this is an opportunity to recreate your world, however you want that to be. You know, it's a massive reset. I love that. Yeah, the, Those questions never get old because
0: <laughs> each of us are constantly changing and we're all, uh, yeah, and also this is a perfect time to, I guess, share that because it's also the full moon is coming and it's just, you know, listening to the cycles of nature and how they can also guide us to remember that, you know, we're all connected and as we are constantly evolving and things around us are constantly shifting, that is the most important question because that's where change can actually happen.
1: Yeah. And you can change it at any given time. You don't need permission. No one, you can, you just need to open up to it and then just do it. Like, I think that's the most exciting thing. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> I love it. I just want to Google because that question makes me so happy.
0: And I think. Like you said, you can never exhaust it. That's always available. So with that, I want to thank you so much, Melanie, for joining us today and just for all the insights and the presence that you bring and the work that you're doing that I think is just so important and is really going to reach people that are ready for a change within themselves and also the organizations that they lead. So really really looking forward to seeing how your
1: practice and your work unfolds and do you have anything final that you want to share no just to say thank you this has been such a great conversation and um, as I said I think we need more of these and I'm sure they're going to happen because um, we really are stepping into the unknown right now anything can happen that's it. Yeah. <laughs> exciting times.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's exciting times in your presence. So, thank you so much guys for listening and we are going to include Melanie's information in the show notes so you can follow along her journey and her work. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye. Bye. The Alt Normal. Thanks for tuning in to the Alt Normal. I'm your host, Tiffany Wen, and this show is produced by Resonance, the creative practice of dig, seed, grow.